Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Aaron Eisman, and so grateful that you're here with us today. This week's Torah portion is so incredible, as is everyone, but I'm so excited for today. And Andrew, welcome, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? You are looking good as usual. Hopefully you're back on your feet after your uh, little bout with the flu. You're feeling better? I'm feeling like day and night better. Yeah. What you do last Shem Kitai? And that haircut, I'm telling you, Andrew, you're, uh, the, this podcast is going to be even greater because of that awesome haircut. You're feeling good. I'm feeling good. Thank you, Hashem. Let us dive right in. This week's Torah portion is the portion of Vayigash, perhaps the most dramatic, at least in my opinion, Torah portion in the Torah. The crescendo of the story of Joseph and his brothers. And for those of you, just a reminder of what we're talking about the past couple of weeks. So Joseph. There, Jacob has 12 sons, and, and Joseph is fighting with his brothers, and his brothers eventually sell him down to Egypt as a slave, and he gets sold as a slave in Egypt, and he starts working for Potiphar, and he, Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of being immoral, and Joseph gets thrown into prison, and in prison, he interprets the dream of the ministers of Pharaoh, and then he gets introduced to the king who has a dream. He, in, he interprets the king's dream, and Joseph is made viceroy of Egypt. That's a vice president, right? The, vice, the number two person in Egypt. And there is a famine in the land, and Joseph is in charge of all the food in this, during this famine. And back in Canaan, back in Israel, his brothers are also suffering from the famine. So they come to buy food from Joseph, but they don't know it's Joseph. They, they know that they sold him as a slave. So they, they have no idea that the person they're talking to, this dictator, this leader that they're cowering in front of is actually his brother. And, and there's so much drama and Joseph accuses them of spying, even though he knows exactly who they are. And he tells them to bring down their youngest brother, Benjamin. And they bring Benjamin and they and Joseph's men frame Benjamin that he stole the, uh, Joseph's cup, his goblet, his, his 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 beautiful goblet. And they the eleven brothers are brought back to Joseph as prisoners facing death. This is not judge jury. This is like boom off with his head, just like that. So the incredible drama. There, you imagine picture the Egyptian courtroom throne room you have this this monarch you have this uh, leader you know who, who's they don't know what's going on and they're certain that benjamin didn't steal why would they frame him and and there's 11 brothers cowering in front of joseph perhaps they're going to be slaves perhaps they're going to die and here's here's how the total portion starts but he got love yehuda yehuda the leader right you're a yehuda you're a jew because from Judah, right, the, the uh, Yehuda, the leader, stands up like, this is it, my friends. This is, this, is, this, this is a big moment. And they're about to be sold into slavery or killed. Who, who knows? And Vayigash love Yehuda. That's what the Torah portion is, Vayigash. 
But Yigash Elam Yehuda, Yehuda comes, comes, comes forward to, uh, to, to Joseph to plead. And he says, he repeats the story. He says, you know, we came down here and we didn't want to bring our youngest brother because, uh, because we didn't want to take him away from his father. And you insisted that we bring our youngest brother. And we brought and, and we promised our father. I promised my father that I would bring him back safely. And you and he and Judah says, "You can enslave me, but you must, please. I beg you, let Benjamin go back to his father." And here is Joseph's response. Joseph sees that after the brothers sold him, they had a complete repentance because they're willing to give up their life for his brother, Benjamin. See, Joseph and Benjamin are, are, are full brothers. The other ones are half-brothers. So the Judah is willing to give his life over to save the life of Benjamin. And when Joseph sees that, and he, he is overcome with his brotherly love, he only, he only orchestrated this whole uh, insane drama this back and forth that he put them through in order to, to get to this point. And now they, they pass the test and they're willing to give up their life to save the life of Benjamin. And Joseph could not hold him back anymore from identifying himself to his brothers. So he says, everybody out of the throne room. He didn't want to embarrass them when he identified himself. And he, and he says, everyone out. And he, and he says to them, Ani Yosef, I am Yosef, I'm your brother. What incredible drama. And the brothers are, are just, right, they weren't able to respond. They were so, and, and, and he said, don't worry, God sent me down here and, and everything's going to be okay. And he reassures them. And that's, that's the, the Torah portion. We'll hopefully uncover some more. But, but I just want to highlight this idea. Ani Yosef. They were in a place of such incredible darkness, such incredible uncertainty. And could you imagine, right? Think of a dictator. Don't think of, you know, in America, thank God we have a judge and jury usually, right? There's uh, justice is usually carried out, right? But, but um, you know, a picture like a dictator, right? You stole from the dictator. Life is over. Can imagine the incredible darkness. Their hearts are beating. And, and, and then... Just with those two words, Ani Yosef, then everything comes becomes clear. And I just think that that is such a beautiful lesson for our lives. So often we're going through life and things seem so dark, so confusing, so strange, so, you know, so, so like we don't know where to go, but there will be, there'll be a time. First of all, there's always a time in this world but certainly is the time in the next world. Like, like, I'll give you an example. I was at a, a, uh, a dinner once with, um, with, with a, a very small group of people. And there was one guy there who was, was on his phone. It was like very awkward. And he was, he was the whole time he was on his phone. It was somebody who's dear to me. And I kept trying to judge him favorably. But like, you know, you're sitting there and there, there was almost no conversation because this guy is on his phone for literally... 10, 15 minutes. And it was like, you know, a little awkward, a little choppy, a little, you know, but, but what are you going to do? And then after about a half hour, it, I didn't know this. And I don't think anyone knew this. It became clear that he was measuring his heart rate 
to see if he had to call an ambulance. It was he was post COVID, and and he and he was he was uh, him and his wife were working to see you know uh, to figure out the his heart rate to see if he had to call. And in the end, they did call, and thank God he's okay. But I remember being so humbled by just that one realization that the guy is is having you know heart problems, and here I am trying to feel like I'm trying to eat my my dinner, and I was irked that this so, so often we're in a situation where we're we're completely unaware of one fact and one fact right somebody cuts you off on traffic and then uh journey then you oh well he's going to the hospital or 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 somebody somebody insults you it's like oh okay they he didn't realize that you know there's some so one just joseph said i need you say boom the whole thing became clear that's just that's that's number one number two is my friend even more powerful and perhaps more life-changing is my friend, Mr. Andrew Perlman. You know that we will never die. You will never die. I will never die. We will never die. Our bodies die, but we live on. We live on forever. Why? Because we are a piece of the infinite. Me, when I say me, I'm not my head. I'm not my body. I'm me, my soul. I, that's my life for my, my me, my, myself, myself lives on forever. And, and when my body is no longer here, my soul goes up. And at that point, our body is so vulnerable to, to you know, we, we get scared at scary movies. We cry at sad movies. And it's like, wow, that's ridiculous. Because we're, 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 we're so uh, uh, vulnerable to the environment around us, right? That guy cut me off or he insulted me or she was mean to me or they fired me, right? And, and that was, you know, and there's so many hardships, but when our body is out of the picture and then, and then we see we're with God and just like Joseph said, Ani Yosef, I am Joseph. God says, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem. And like, oh, so that's why that person insulted me. God wanted me to test me. And that's why I got fired because I had to be, go through that challenge. And there's so many times that, that we go through life and it's like, we, why do I have so much hardship? Why do they have it so easy? Why do they have so much money? Why do they have so many friends? Why do they have such great relationships? Why am I going through this? And the story of Joseph teaches you, teaches us that, that, that there will be a come a time when everything is clear. Everything comes so clear. And it's not going to be like this whole intricate explanation. It's just, I'm Hashem. Um, there's there, the, everything becomes clear, and that is that is uh, the medrash says after the the medrash comments on Joseph revealing uh, identifying himself to his brothers. This is what's going to think about what it's going to be on that big day, and, and so the, the, our goal, of course, is we're still alive. Right, we're still alive, Andrew. Um, are you still there? Okay. Uh, right, we're still alive. So therefore, we could I, reveal the infinite in our daily life, and that is uh, that really brings us to the next the next topic, and that is as follows. So the brothers go back to uh, to Jacob, and they say, Jacob, Joseph is still alive, and right away Jacob says, Okay, excuse me, I have to go see him. And he and I want to see him before he dies. And the the 
again, you and I, and you know, most people really relate to that very well. He, he hadn't seen him for 22 years and he thought he is, was dead. And now he finds out he's alive. He's, I want to go see him. But if you look at Jacob as who he was, which was his purpose, when this is our forefather sort of representing or found, founding our nation on spirituality and living for God, living for a higher purpose. It seems a little bit impulsive to say, oh, he's alive. I want to go see him. Like, I know I, like, I sometimes, you know, we have college, we have campus programming. So sometimes there's leftovers, right? Leftover foods. So my kids are always like, bring home the leftovers. So I bring home the leftovers and often I come home late. So I'll walk in at like 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night with like a, a tray of sushi or pizza, or whatever. And we have a rule. You can't eat it tonight. You want to eat it tomorrow, that's fine. But if you weren't hungry before I came home, you, you're not hungry now. Just because there's sushi here, I mean, I, I try to do that myself as well. Just because my wife happens to be cooking something great or baking some awesome smelling stuff doesn't mean I need to eat it. Just because it's there doesn't mean I need to eat it. So certainly Jacob, he's alive. And of course he's happy. And, you know, but write him a letter or maybe plan at the right, you know, maybe he'll come to you or you come to him. It seems uncharacteristic for Jacob to hear he's alive. Okay, I got to go see him. So how do we understand Jacob running to see uh, Joseph right away. So let's try to uncover that. And the idea is as follows. Imagine when God was giving the Torah, right? Many, many years before God is giving the Torah and the the entire Jewish nation experienced God and, and whatever that means, but the entire nation, your grandparents, my grandparents, experienced God. Imagine there was a guy in the back, you know, in in his tent, you know, studying Torah or something. And, uh, well, you know, doing, doing his thing, you know, and someone came over to him and said, come, come to the mountain. You're gonna, we're going to experience God. And imagine if he had said, no, I'm good. You know, I believe in God. I'm totally good. I don't need to go. I, I have a moon of truth. I have simple faith. I know God is there. I don't need to go experience God. We would tell him, you're an idiot because you have an opportunity to experience God on a much greater level than you have had in the past. So therefore, come, indulge partake in this incredible experience. When Jacob heard that Joseph was alive, he was like, oh my, I want to experience godliness. uh, Joseph had this vision, had this dream uh, many, many, many years before that his brothers would come and bow down to him. And, and, And Jacob wanted to see the fulfillment of that dream. And Abraham had a prophecy that, that we're going to be slaves in Egypt and we're going to be going down to Egypt and that Joseph would go from a slave to the ruler of Egypt. That's, that's something that Jacob wanted to witness in order to connect spiritually to those concepts. In other words, Jacob had an opportunity to be inspired. And by going down to Egypt, he was going to be inspired. Now, we have to take a lesson from that to grab opportunities for inspiration. A rabbi used to tell his students, I think it was Reb Dessler, when you come upstairs after 120 years, God's going to say to you, did you check out my Swiss Alps? Did you check out the, the Grand Canyon? Did you check out my world? Because there's so many opportunities for inspiration. You're standing like, whoa. And you can't do that from your apartment in Brooklyn. Right, so you go down there and you and you and you jump in and you partake. Why? Because we have to use triggers 
in this world to connect us to, to the infinite. You're walking down the street and there's trees and flowers and, and grass and people. We need to look at that and say, wow, that's incredible. Look at that. You know, like uh, you see a leaf, like, there, you know, it's the fall. I mean, like I got, I got, it's my favorite season. I say that every season, but this is like really my favorite season in the fall with the leaves. And you think about what a leaf is. It is such an incredible, it's such an incredible, it's, it's, it's a solar panel that takes in sunlight and moisture and carbon dioxide and it transforms it into wood. That's really what it does. It transforms sunlight into wood and, and, like, and, 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 and into flowers and into fruits and, and into pollen so that bees are attracted and then pollinate other. And you see a leaf, we should, we should be dancing. Whoa! And connecting to that leaf. Wow, that's incredible. That's, that's, that's such an incredible, and follow it back, where did it come from? How is it possible? Who created such an incredible creation? Right, the apples, before they're ripe, they're green. They, they blend in with the, with, the, with the leaves, like sort of like, hey, don't, not yet. And then when they're, when they're, uh, when they're ripe, they're, they're turning red. They're like, whoa, hello, like, come, take me. And I think they, they also eventually fall off the tree. It's like sort of like, okay, I'm ready to be eaten. We live in such an incredible world. We need to grab opportunities in this world to notice God in the world. You know, I, my rabbi in Yeshiva, Moshe Roseman, used to tell us, a, a very, very, uh, a, a, it's very true. Imagine if a guy, someone dies, and a month later, some magician comes and says, I can bring him to life. And, and a month after he dies, he brings him to life. And everyone's like, wow, what a miracle. That's incredible. He's, he, you know, he was dead, and now he's alive. That's incredible. But what is more incredible, bringing a dead body to life or creating a person, a body, creating a body from a little seed, right? That, that, and this happens all the time. You have babies born, and they're complete, and they're whole, and they have arms and legs, and they're little bodies, and they're really beautiful, and they have eyes and nose, and they function, and, and all from a little seed. They grow from a little seed. So anytime you happen to bump into a person, if you know any persons, if you know any people, look at them and be like, whoa, and see godliness in it. See how awesome and how incredible the world is. And we see that when Jacob actually went down to Joseph, when Jacob, when he goes down to Egypt and he finally meets Joseph, it says that he cried on his shoulder. And it's interesting because, you know, every word in the Torah matters and it's written for, for, to, to be understood. And it doesn't say that they cried on each other's shoulders. Why does it say that they cried on each other's shoulders? And the commentators explain that Jacob didn't cry on Joseph's shoulders. Joseph, the, the viceroy, cried on his father's shoulders, but his father didn't cry on his shoulders. Do you know why the, the, the commentators say? Because he was reciting Kriyashma. Kriyashma is Shema Yisrael, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Achad, and talks about the love of God and connection to God. And he was saying Shema. So the question is, if it was time to say Shema, first of all, say it because you didn't see yourself for 22 years, right? So, so, uh, so say it in 10 minutes, you know, like say hello, right? And, and, if, and if that wasn't possible, maybe it was the last minute, so then let Joseph, why isn't he saying it? Why is only Jacob saying it? And uh, the Rabbi Victor Miller has a beautiful idea that Jacob, maybe it wasn't Rabbi Victor Miller, I heard this amazing idea 
that jo jo Joseph, Jacob, wanted to use this incredible crescendo of emotion to channel it up. I'm feeling so inspired. I'm feeling so much love. I want to channel that love when I'm in the zone, when I'm in the love zone. I can, I, I'm feeling such love to this, to my son. Let me turn it up as well and include God in it. And I want to, in other words, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to have God in my life. And we have to, we have to, um, we have to embrace those opportunities. I was at a wedding last night and I tried, you know, after studying this, I really tried through, you know, dancing at the wedding and, you know, during the chuppah to try to channel the love and the connection and the, the warmth and the beauty of this wedding to, to sort of include a God because, you know, we, there, life is hard and there's lots of distractions. There's lots of, uh, lots of, Lots of things that distract us from our mission of self-completion. What's self-completion? Bringing out godliness in the world, being good, kind, caring, compassionate, thoughtful to others. And we need to grab those opportunities within life to, to, uh, to bring out that godliness. You know, there's a concept, Mipnei Seva Takum. The Kotzka Rebbe has a beautiful idea, Mipnei Seva Takum. It means... Before an old man, talk to him, you have to stand up. If you see somebody over 70, by the way, this is, a, this is a, you know, we should all know this. It's a law. If you see a, 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 someone who's over 70, Jewish, not Jewish, doesn't matter. You see someone over 70, you stand up when they walk in. That's, the, uh, that, that's, that's a, 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 a Jewish law. So, but there's a beautiful, the Kutzker Rebbe says a beautiful a twist on this. Bipnei Seva, um, Seva before, before it becomes old, tuck him. Stand up. In other words, seize the moment when you're in it. Don't be like you win the lottery and it's like, yeah, you know, a week later, wow, thank you, God, for helping win the lottery. No, at your time of joy, at your time of connection, at your time of, of uh, unity, bring God into, into your everyday life. And that's that's using using that. And that's that's really when the when when Joseph, as we said before, Joseph uh, came down to Egypt to uh, Joseph identified himself to his brothers. And he said, I need Yosef, I am Joseph. And they were, and they, they, everything became clear. So when Jacob came down to, to see Joseph, he, he gained more clarity of what life is about. He, he saw God by seeing the miracles that Joseph was alive and the ruler of Egypt. He saw God and, and, uh, and he, and he, and he, made God more clear. That's what our mission in this world is, to reveal God, to uncover God, to see another person as an image of, of God, to see this world, to see the leaves, to see this world as an image of God. I just want to end, my friend, with this uh, with an amazing thought I heard from my son, because uh, he called, he lives in Israel, and he calls me every Thursday, uh, like almost clockwork. I mean, every Thursday, but almost at the same exact time every Thursday. And uh, I try to share with him a Torah thought, you know, try to bond over Torah. So I shared this idea with him, so he told me uh, an idea that he heard from his Rosh Hashiva, um, Rabbi Wasserman, here in, uh, in Lakewood, New Jersey. And uh, I want to just share that Jacob said the amazing thing. When Jacob said, I want to go see Joseph before I die, listen to this. Listen to this, my friends. Hold on to your chairs because this, uh, this is incredible. Jacob said, I want to go see Joseph before I die. And we asked, you know, what was the, you know, you know that seems a little impulsive. That was the question before. But he said an amazing idea. He said, why did, why did he want to see him before he dies? Listen to this. Because Jacob, our forefather, 
said, I don't know if I'm going to be worthy to be in the same arena, whatever that means in the next world. I don't know if I'm going to be a merit to be anywhere near Joseph in the next world. This is Jacob, our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Our forefather, Jacob, was said, I want to go see him while I'm alive because I don't know if I'm going to see him in the next world when after I die. Why? Do you know why? Because Joseph, because of course Jacob was great, but Joseph was great in Egypt. In other words, even though he was surrounded by materialism and non-godliness and decadence and you know the 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 value system that was very foreign to Torah values. And he was he was sold as a 17-year-old boy. And if you remember, his master's wife threatened that if you don't live with me, I'm going to throw you into prison. And still he refused her advances. And he kept his, and he kept, and you know, the there was also a, a deep idea when the brothers told uh, uh, Jacob. Who Moshe Eretz Mitzrayim? He is the ruler of Egypt. So again, if you're in a spiritual realm, you know we understand this. But in a spiritual realm, like so, who cares what his job is? Like he's the leader of Egypt. Let's say he's an accountant. Or why would Jacob hear that he's the leader of Egypt? Like come down because he's the leader of Egypt. Who cares what he is? That's that's materialism. Who cares? They're saying he's Moshe. He's he's the ruler of Egypt. Egypt is not ruling him. In other words, he is ruling over. He's still keeping his values which was incredibly difficult as the leader of, a, of this progressive, you know, modern, rich country. You know, he's a leader. You would say that, okay, let's sort of bow to their values. Let me be influenced by that. But he said, no, he's stuck to his values. He's, he's ruling Egypt. So Jacob said, I want to go down to see Joseph because I want to see such a righteous person who's able to keep their values even in a society that doesn't promote these values. So my dear friend, Andrew, anybody who is uh, kind enough to listen to this uh, podcast, uh, you know, we live in a, in a society, God bless America, God bless America. There's uh, so much blessing here, but there's a lot of values that are perhaps antithetical to Torah, right? Keeping Shabbos, shutting your phone for 25 hours is very, very difficult, right? The, the uh, Shabbos, kosher, studying Torah, right? We, the, the job market is very, very difficult, right? People taking off time to learn Torah. You're taking off time to listen to this podcast. You could be writing a report. You could be making money. You could be driving Uber. You could be selling an Amazon. Let's go. Why Get off this podcast. Why are you listening? You're listening because you're trying to get inspired, trying to, be, to bring godliness into our lives. I know it works for me to talk about it. Hopefully it helps for, for us all to listen to it, to, uh, to internalize this message. So the more pressure against Torah that we that what we encounter, the more value it is that we're able. Sometimes we look at our forefathers, or the, or the generations before. Look what they accomplished. Look what they knew. Look at these amazing holy books that you can see my father-in-law has on a shelf. Right, all these amazing books. You know, I'll show you one just to uh, just to give you an example. Right, here's Shari Tachon, Tovos These are like uh, these are just this. Pages and pages and pages of wisdom that uh, you know we, we we sort of jealous of the last generation that they were able to to tap into these incredible incredible res reservoirs of wisdom, but we have to know that perhaps we're even greater than them. 
because they didn't have one of these bad boys, right? They didn't have, they didn't have so many temptations. They didn't have so many distractions. They didn't have so much pressure to, 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 to not embrace Torah. Therefore, uh, let's take a lesson from this, my friend, and, and realize our greatness. Andrew, you're awesome. So that is the lesson from this week's Torah portion, that Andrew Perlman is awesome. Every one of our listeners is awesome. And uh, each one of us, if we're learning Torah, we're trying to grow, we're trying to be better than we were yesterday. That is an incredible, incredible, incredible accomplishment. May God bless our efforts, and we should merit to see godliness in everything, see each other as images of God, pieces of the infinite, and uh, merit to live our lives for who we really are with incredible potential. We can do anything, my friends. We got this. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Rabbi Aaron Eisen. Reach out, Rabbi E at Moor.org. If you have any questions, Rabbi E at Meor.org. Thank you for listening and have a beautiful Shabbat.